Welcome back to Currently with Curator, where I share my latest style obsessions, all of which you can access through my shopping community, Curator. Black Friday sales have officially begun, and we've got the most fabulous one to help you with all of your holiday gift shopping. Choose from my Black Friday collection, which includes some of my most coveted products, like Cozy Skin Worldwide Slippers, PMD Skin Care Tools, and Fakai Hair Care, a favorite, plus a few curated sets for even bigger savings. Just head to curator.com, that's C-U-R-A-T-E-U-R.com to shop the collection and take 20% off by using BF20 by December 30th. Happy shopping. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Zoe, and you're listening to Climbing in Heels. This show is all about celebrating the most extraordinary superwomen who will be sharing their incredible journeys to the top, all while staying glamorous. Today with me, we have a renowned digital influencer and entrepreneur, one of my favorite people in the world, a very dear friend, the one and only Chriselle Lim. Chriselle is considered one of the pioneers in digital fashion content, and trust me, very understandably so. I am so excited for you all to hear about her story. It's really good. So let's get started. Hey, I'm so happy to see you. I am more happy to see you. I feel like I, there's so much we have to talk about. I think, you know, part of the reason I started climbing in heels is because I have so many incredible women in my life and everyone's story and journey to get there is so totally different and very complex. I think I want to start at the beginning because I always like to know, because I having young children just like you, I think we look at our children and you'd go, what are they like? What happens later? Who are these people totally. later, right? And what I found, and I remember when my children were born, you know, we had this incredible nurse who obviously helped us so that I could keep the baby alive for the first, you know, few months because I didn't know how to do it. Um, and she said to me, they are exactly who they are right now as you're staring at them, right? Mm. And, and she was so right. And so I want to know, what kind of kid were you? Well, as a kid, I was uncomfortably shy like it was a a mixture of just being not confident in my teenagers but also being one of the only Asian kids in a predominantly all Caucasian school just had me feeling very different so I always just kind of stayed quiet but I've always had an ambition inside of me that no one really knew about Um, but it was very internal. Like I internalized everything. So I think it's safe to say at a young age, I was very ambitious, but no one really knew that. That was kind of like my secret weapon, I always say. Um, Because when I was in high school, I literally didn't talk. Like I, if someone asked me a question, it would be like a one word answer. And it was to the point where people thought there was something wrong with me because I just didn't talk. And it was mainly because I just was not confident in myself, but I also felt like I didn't have a place um, to say anything or my, my opinions weren't important enough. Um, And it was really in college when I started developing kind of like my own character and confidence to be able to speak up. Um, So everyone that knows me from high school, when they see me now, they're like, what? Like, (laughs) is is this the same person? (laughs) That's so interesting. Yeah. So you basically had so much. Good. No, were you sh- were you that way at home or at home? You were like probably couldn't stop talking. Did no. you have to like get it out? So I got it out in other ways. Um, right. I was always very creative, and I actually always loved being online because that was when AIM uh, dial up yeah. internet was yeah. just starting off for me. Yeah. Um, that's when I was in high school. So unfortunately. With my parents, I wasn't very talkative either. I just kind of closed myself, like locked myself in the room. I was this weird kid that was on the internet, um, dialing up into AIM. For those of you that are listening that don't know what AIM is, it's pretty much like, I don't know what Instagram was back yeah. in like 30 yeah. years ago, right? Or yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. And so- It was AOL Instant Messenger, right? 
Yeah, I AOL remember. Instant Messenger. Yeah, I remember. And so I always had a connection with the digital world because I, I found it fascinating. So I was a little geeky in that mm-hmm. sense. But even my parents, they really had to kind of like pull it out of me to talk to like be able to say, oh, how was your day? Like, what did you do? But also I come from a very traditional Korean family. Yeah, my parents changed a lot. And I'm so, so proud of them, especially as I went through my divorce, which we'll get into later. They really had to have a mental shift. They really changed as who they are because traditionally growing up, they were so so strict with me. So I didn't really feel like I had a place to open up and to so say these things. Interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting because I think as parents, and, and my guess is you're probably the polar opposite as a parent. Yeah. I mean, every time it's like, okay, let's talk about our feelings yeah. today. Chloe's yeah. like, mom. Well, it's interesting that you say that because we try and take from our parents, like, okay, what were the best things? Let's do that, right? Like, let's find that in ourselves or we already have that, so let's hold on to that. But this drove me insane and this didn't work for me mm. growing up. So I try and do the opposite, you know, yeah. I do the same. But I, I think, um, so when did you like come out, so to speak? When did you like come out of your shell? Was it college? It was definitely college. Well, I went to Cal Poly for two years, okay. um, studying accounting, realizing that I'm oh my God. horrible at numbers. <laughs> Horrible. And then so at Cal Poly, there's a very small agricultural department, which textiles fell into. And so textiles was considered fashion at Cal Poly. (laughs) So they called it their small fashion program. So I signed up for it. And then after I discovered that I I was really interested in it, that's when I um, transitioned over to FITM. But yeah, it was really in college where I kind of went wild because that's what happens with all strict kids when they're let loose. They're just like, what is this freedom? It's like bird let out of a cage. Exactly. Yeah. So it was during college. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes. I went through my ups and downs, but that's where I really discovered, you know, who I was as a person, my character, my personality. I personally didn't even know who I was. So I think that was, yeah, that was definitely the start (laughs) of it for me was in college. And um, realizing that I could actually turn fashion into something. And actually I was in college while watching your show, Rachel. And to me, that really just allowed me to picture myself to do something in fashion. And so you really, I mean, you probably get this all the time and it's weird saying this because we're friends now, but you paved the way for so many young girls at the time, because at the time there was no social media, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter, nothing. And so it was like an industry that was completely closed unless you're already in it. And then your show came out. And I think that that allowed me to dream a little bit. That show will always mean a lot to me because at the time it was so hard, right? And I had so many jobs and it production was not then what it is now. People know how to do it and quickly and efficiently. And then it really ate up most of my life while I was doing a million things in my actual work life. But looking back, the fact that it impacted people in in these ways just makes me honestly feel, I get very emotional about it because I think about that there wasn't the social media and there wasn't the access and that it did provide that sort of like hope for young people because my intent with the show was to really open that wall and lift the curtain of the fashion world because there's so much genius behind it. And I couldn't bear the fact that nobody could see how things happened and they couldn't see the designer talent. They couldn't see the hair, makeup, and the teams that were creating the images, the fashion shows, the this, the that, the like. And so I think the fact that it helped young people sort of open their eyes to what was possible, that to me means that there was a purpose for me. I mean, you have no idea. And it's obviously very hard. And I feel like I have to check myself sometimes too, because I'm kind of in that position now too, where people are like, oh my God, thank you for your content. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's just what I do. So same thing with you. I'm sure it's like when you're filming it and when you're actually like, you know, it's your work. It's just work. And you're just like, this is what I'm doing. But the level and amount of impact that you left on girls and boys out there that were just dying to figure out how to get into fashion. 
I, I feel like it's my generation, like the group of my generation that are in fashion now, I feel like they were all influenced and impacted by your show. And it's incredible to really see how one show can make a difference in a generation. Thank you. First of all, thank you. I have such tells <laughs> emotional about it, but it, you represent, I think, so much for so many people. And I think that over the last few years, you've become much more open on your your platforms, right? As to, I think, what goes on in your personal life. Because I think before it was more of, here's Chriselle, she's this magnificent beauty. Okay, she has young kids. She has this perfect life. She has like, you know, but I don't think people understand what goes into that life. And I think there's some of these young people that are like, oh, I want to be like Chriselle or I want to be this or I want to be that. And it was like when people used to say to me and still say to me like, oh, I want to be a stylist. I love clothes. It's like, okay, but are you willing to devote 24-7 to that love because it's not pretty, it's not easy, it's not, you know, and they'll look at these pictures of you like at the Maurice or like running around Paris. And of course it is glamorous in the sense of like pinching yourself and saying, I can't believe this is my job, Right. But how many people go with you on these trips? Yeah, yeah. And how many, and like, how long are you getting ready and doing this content? And like, I want to demystify a little bit um, because I think you're such a good example of how hard somebody works to be where they are. And I think not just becoming where you are, but staying where you are. Because I think like any business, and listen, you're still very young, but I think there's always new talent. There's always new ideas. There's always new platforms. There's like all of a sudden you've built this huge following on something and then they launch another thing. Wait, this is the thing people want. And like, you know, I was saying to my husband, because I was, I was watching you while I was on a, I was on a work trip to New York. And I think I texted you because I was like, girl, you must be tired (laughs) because you know, you are a single mom now. Right. And you talk about that, but you've launched a lot of different things in your job, in, in your career now like Fleur and Buma. Yep. And, you know, and I, I want to talk about that. First off, college, and then you said, okay, done with school. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> I was horrible at school. I've always believed that I was meant to work, and I always knew that in my head, right? Me too. And yeah, so during college, I barely, barely got by. Like, I graduated, but like with the lowest GPA ever. Um, but I... <laughs> Love I it. was able to. By the way, you're like of- the tenth woman that I've interviewed that said this. So I just want <laughs> I, I go back to my theory of our education does not define us. No, no. I mean, I think I'm not downplaying that it's not important. It's, no, no, it's no, important, it but it doesn't define us, like you mentioned. And so, yeah, I mean, I was always working. I always had internships. I always had my hand in something. Um, because I wanted to figure out what it was that I wanted to do in fashion. Because as you know, there's lots of different, you know, uh, just like things you so can do in fashion. Things, yeah. yeah. So I I literally went out there and interned for anybody, everybody. Um, and I discovered what I really liked. And so that was at the cusp of when digital media was starting. So then I started my blog and YouTube channel at the end of my college years. And I was out there working and hustling. Um, And I just started posting kind of outfit photos on my blog. And then that kind of got interest in a lot of people, um, young people, college kids mainly. Interesting. Yeah. And which is really who you want, honestly. Yeah. And there are my peers, right? They were like my age at the time. And so that was about, I don't know, like 15, 16 years ago. And so what's been really exciting and interesting whenever I do like PAs and like meetups, a lot of these women that come to me, they're grown women, they have kids, they have families, they have careers now, unless they found me on TikTok, they're like 13 years old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But most of my followers, like the mass majority of my followers kind of went through that life cycle with me. So they graduated college and then They went to go look for a job and then they got married and then they had kids. And then, you know, now a lot more women are like, I'm going through a divorce too, or I've gone through a divorce. So I feel like (laughs) very big trend trend. post pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You either had babies or got divorced. That's what happened. One or the other. (laughs) (laughs) I seriously love that noise. 
It's the absolute best kind of notification. That's another sale on Shopify, the platform trusted by millions of entrepreneurs to create their online store and so much more. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere, whether you're selling fashion and beauty products, holiday decor, or customized gifts. Start selling with Shopify and join the platform that's simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify, and now you can too. I know firsthand how much work and honestly trial and error goes into creating and growing a business. Very well. Some of you might remember that Curator started as a business called Box of Style. With Box of Style, we offered our quarterly subscription box with a very limited add-on marketplace. We knew our customers wanted and needed more from us, and they genuinely wanted access to more products to shop from. We migrated our site to Shopify in 2019 and rebranded Box of Style to Curator in 2020, and I cannot even begin to tell you what a game changer it's been. We are now able to offer our customers a full online shopping community that continues to grow and expand into so many categories. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash Zoe, all lowercase Z-O-E. Go to shopify.com slash Zoe to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash Zoe, Z-O-E, all lowercase. Yeah, I just, I never really thought in the beginning, the early days, it was going to be anything. It, it, it was just me being able to communicate with a few online friends at the time, what I was wearing, because they were into fashion too. So we would share all these ideas. And then it kind of grew into something because it was in the cusp of when Instagram was just starting. Um, and once Instagram launched, it just all kind of um, really took over. So yeah, it was it was wild. It was an industry. It was a wild, wild west where no one really understood it, how we were able to launch. In fact, people actually hated us, right? Yeah. People actually really disliked um, digital influencers, which I understand, especially coming from like a more traditional editorial background. It, it doesn't really make sense because we are technically reporting on fashion, which is technically what the professionals were supposed to do, right? Sure. And so I think for the first, I would say five to seven years, we were just like fighting for our spot and not even fighting, just like really being consistent and creating a voice for ourselves. And there were a few industry veterans like yourself and Eva Chen that were super lovely and supportive. And they were always just, you know, there to root us on. And obviously there were others that weren't and still aren't sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it is what it is. I think and- they didn't know what to do with it. I think it was sort of like, who do these people think they are just showing up, taking pictures and like reporting on fashion? Yeah. And I and think we were all kids. We're all right. kids. Right. And, yeah. and listen, I think like anything else, there are those people, the bad examples that ruin it for everybody sometimes in any industry, you know what I mean? In any industry. And I think that it's like survival, right? And Mm -hmm. the best survive, right? And it's the people with more than just the picture. It's the people with substance, with depth, with ambition who really are, because I always say the hard work wins, you Mm -hmm. know, and you can tell people that are in it for the flash and mm. people that are in it because it's really their job and they work really freaking hard at it. And I yeah. think ultimately, you know, those are the 
people that are here to stay and showing over and over, you know, what you're capable of, right? And and I think it's like anything else. And so I think you've really built quite a business, you know? Mm. And I think I want to address that because you became this mom, this mom um, <laughs> of these beautiful girls. And, you know, it's weird. I feel like it happened pretty quickly, but maybe it's because pre-pandemic, I just feel like I'm like totally. in, a, in, a, in a bit of a blur, right? Right. But they're how old now, the girls? Uh, seven and four. Okay. What I really want to talk to you about a little bit is I had my kids later, right? Because I did my career first. And I think the thing I've always wondered is, okay, if I had my kids young, how on earth would I have built my career? Because mm. doing it simultaneously to me is the biggest challenge you can ever face, right? Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I think what I want to know, and I think our listeners would would love to hear is like, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you, how do, how is that process for you? Yeah. Well, I have to say, and I'm not advising anyone to get a divorce, but I'm saying that co-parenting has actually allowed me right. to not feel as guilty because right. the fact is, and it doesn't work out perfectly because, no, you know, course. during fashion month, like I don't have, I, I can't choose which week I'm going to be gone. Like I, yeah, the fashion week calendar is what it is, but knowing that every other week or every two weeks, cause we do 50, 50 custody, um, the girls wouldn't see me otherwise if I was at home. So all of a sudden when I'm traveling, it's almost like this guilt that I used to have because before when I would travel, I would be like, Oh, the girls are waiting for me at home or, you know, my partner's waiting for me at home. Like I feel so bad traveling again, but now it's almost like, well, they wouldn't be with me anyways, if I was at home anyways. Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. And yeah. Think about that. So in a sense, it's actually made my life and my travels a little easier. Sure. Um, it gives you a little bit more space and room and Obviously, you know this because I like Rachel, you're one of the first people that I came to when I was going through my divorce. I was yes. like, what do I do? And look um, at you. And look at you. <laughs> I mean, you always gave me the best advice and you've always been so welcoming and you know Because I wasn't worried about you. And I had to tell you that while you were at like the bottom. Because yeah. I think that's the thing. You get to that place and you're at the bottom. And I think sometimes you need that unbiased person. Yeah. Who has lived some life to be like, lady, <laughs> you are so good. You don't know it yet because yeah. this year is going to suck. But, <laughs> but I promise you on the other side is total happiness. So true. So true. <laughs> and obviously because you, you know, obviously you're happily married, but like you have a lot of friends that have gone a through lot, that. Like I just. More, th more than not. <laughs> yeah, more than not, you know? And so I really valued that, like just hearing it from you. And so, yeah, when I kind of look back on where I was at before to where I am now, I just feel so much more free and not saying that I don't feel guilty. I still feel incredibly guilty, especially during fashion month when I'm gone essentially for three to four weeks. When I talk to my girls about it, like I just had a chat with Chloe this morning and I was like, Chloe, so please be honest with me. Like, do you feel like mommy is gone too much? Do you miss me? And she's like, I miss you, but this is what I'm used to. And I, I don't, I miss you and I wish you were here, but I'm not sad. And I was like, oh, you're not bless. sad? Excuse me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. It was actually the best answer. No, it's the best. The That's best. what you want. That's the dream. Yeah. And so it kind of lifted this like weight on my shoulder because I've been gone for about a month. And, um, you know, her dad and I, we try to balance it out when he has them for a month and I'll have them right. for a month if I'm around for yeah. a month. That is. Yeah. Yeah. It just shows you that kids, especially young kids, and I can't really speak to parents that are going through a divorce when the kids are older, but when they're a little younger, like my girls, they're very adaptable. And um, they just remember, and they're such present little creatures. Like they don't really think outside of like what's right in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so true. for them to be like, oh, I wonder how my life is going to look like. They don't really think that way. It's more of like, oh, am I happy now? Am I having fun now? 
And so I think both their dad and I, we do a very good job of making sure like they stay present and they're happy with where they're at. And so, yeah, I mean, I do feel guilty, but that's, I realize that it's all internal. My kids are fine. It's just me that has to internalize that, right? It's us. It's yeah. us more than them a lot of the time, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. But that's, in, that's such a great point. And I, I would say on the back end of that, a lot of the women that I speak to were raised by single mothers, single working mm. mothers, and they are so driven. Mm. And what they say over and over is watching my mom, mm. I learned my ambition, my work ethic, that life isn't just handed to you. Mm. I so, I'm so grateful for her sacrifice. So I do think that whether it's obvious or not, I'm certain that they probably watch you and they just probably admire you and how hard you work. And I mean, girls are very intuitive. I imagine that they know like mommy has to do this and Mm -hmm. we're proud of her. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so many times I'm like, what can I talk to them about? What can I teach them? But I realize that it's not really about me teaching them. It's just them watching and observing what you're doing. And they're just going to learn from that in itself. And so I actually like it when I'm working from home, like today I'm working from home and the girls are, I I don't know why they, they, they have the day off today because it's like a fall free day. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways. um, (laughs) My my dad is is. taking care of them downstairs. Also benefit of living with parents. So I like to have the girls watch me when I work, especially because my work is so much focused on the phone and social media and digital media and taking selfies and taking yep. photos. And, yep. but I want them to associate social media and the phone and digital media as work versus like always being like consuming content. Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because my oldest one doesn't really care, but my youngest one, she likes to create, she's like a very creative person. So you know, I like her to get into that mindset of, okay, like, how do I take this product? And like, how do I make a cool, like interesting concept around it? I think for me, that's really important because this is what I do. I rather have them learn the creatives around it versus just like consuming content all day. So going back, I think to a point you said earlier that there have been haters and people like constantly putting down the industry and influencers in general. How do you deal with haters. And then also, have you ever had a day or a moment in time where you were like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm so over this. I'm not doing this anymore. Career change or I'm at like, um, I'm at a standstill. I need to make a huge change and want to just do something else or want to quit. Some people have had those moments and some people really haven't had those moments. I mean, I've had those moments 100%. Yeah, I'm sure you definitely have experienced that on a bigger level because you're on kind of mass television. So I'm sure you had your own set of situations that you have to deal with. But for me, just within the industry alone, it's been pretty pleasant now just because like I think we're pretty well accepted now. They realize that we're here to stay. And and needed. It's an ecosystem. I, I was just speaking on like a little panel in Canada Oh, yeah. After Europe for like multiple weeks. I see her in Canada. I'm like, girl, come home. Where are you? You must be so tired. What are you doing? I remember I got that message. I was laughing. <laughs> but we we're talking because I was with a big retailer there and we we're just talking about how this whole ecosystem is very circular. And um, we had a few audience questions. And when the girl was like, do you think people like us, like just everyday people have a say in like trends. And I was like, absolutely. Now we do, because before it used to be always like the top down, like what are these big houses doing? Mm -hmm. But now because of social media, digital media brands also are looking at what the young people are actually wearing and how they're styling it. And that also influences them for the next collection or their next ad campaign. And so it's the circular kind of ecosystem that we're all helping each other out whether a brand launches a product, um, whether it's an influencer talking about it, whether you're a consumer and you just want, and to be honest, Fleur, my brand, yeah, but incredibly viral because of everyday people posting on TikTok. It wasn't yep. one big celebrity. It wasn't um, one big, you know, influencer. It was a lot of people just talking about it. And so- I also want to say I'm wearing the 
Woods. Oh, oh, somebody would. Yes, I love that one. That is our latest launch. It's so good. It's Thank so good. You. I put it on right away. The packaging's so pretty. And it's on my vanity and I sprayed it right away. And my kids like loved it. Mommy, you smell so good. Oh, Truth. I'm going to have to send so your kids the travel site. I love it. Oh, thank right you. Thank you. That means so much to me. <laughs> I left my house this morning at, in like the dark um, to take to take Sky to take him to get like his passport this morning. And I literally was like, <sighs> I like straight on me. I'm like, yep, still smell it. So okay, good. good. The the lasting power works. Um, uh, it does. But, yeah, it actually does really well. So yeah, I mean, I think that I think industry people realize that we're, we're all needed. We all have a, a place and mm-hmm. a purpose of why mm-hmm. we do what we do. But I think the hate that I actually received most recently was once I went through my divorce, not to me personally, but it was interesting because I decided during that period not to really post my kids anymore just because yeah. they were going through a transition. I was sure. going through a transition. I wasn't feeling motivated to post anything personal. So for about a year and a half, I just stopped posting my kids, mm-hmm. but their dad decided to continue to post the kids, which is totally fine. That's his mm-hmm. thing. And so the amount of comments that I got from people being like, their dad loves them more. You don't oh, love stop. them. And, you know, you're a horrible person because <gasps> you left your family. And so that was the extent of hate that I recently got. But for the most part, if you just don't address it, they yeah, just go away, obviously, like yeah, most people do. Yep. Um, and obviously, my community like really stood up for me during that time. But it's interesting because people love to, and as you know, they love to jump to conclusions. They oh, love yeah. to make assumptions. Judgment. Uh, judgment. Try and, and bring people down. Yes. And that's why I just decided, I mean, I'm slowly starting to post a little bit more of my kids again, but during that time, I just decided not to. And the amount of hate and backlash I got, it was, it was not expected, but. But don't yeah. you find, I find, um, I noticed you did a post that was really addressing certain things, like how you were dressing and how your kids, mm. all these things. And I find that people just stop once yeah. you kind of like say, Hey, I know there's things being said about this. This is why. Yeah. And at that point, I just kick people out of my community at that point. I yeah. do. I'm like, you're not welcome here. I actually don't want you here. So yeah. I think <laughs> that's how I learned to deal with it. And it really works for me because no, I think totally. that's one of the things that we can control, you know, is sort of like, if you are going to hate, you're not welcome here. I don't want you here. So bye. You're right. And once you address it and you're ready to talk about it, then it just kind of shuts everyone up. You know, it's like, they just stopped talking about it. So now like two years into it, no one really says anything anymore, <laughs> which is, yeah, it just takes time. So like what's next for you? I feel like you just launched Fleur. How long is that now? A year? We started working on it like right during my divorce, but I think we launched it about almost a year ago. What yeah. does it mean? Fleur. Well, it's uh, people are like, you spelled it wrong. It's F-L-E-U-R. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's ah. P-H-L-U-R. So interesting story about Fleur is that it wasn't a brand that we started. Uh, my business partner and I, we acquired it. So oh. yeah, so it was an existing brand already and it was a beautiful brand, but it was going out of business. We actually loved the brand so much and they built something so beautiful. We decided to acquire it and kind of revamp it because before it was kind of like a very uh, clean branding where everything was white and kind of a little stale, yep. but yep. it was like fear mongering for people that didn't eat clean and wear clean. And, <laughs> and we wanted to kind of bash that because okay. clean could be sexy, clean of could course. be modern and young. Yep. And so we, we revamped it with a new branding and launched some new fragrances with some of my favorite perfumers, like Jerome Pignette from Byredo, um, Frank wow. Santal from La Labo. And so I just became obsessed with these perfumers that I personally really were fans of. And Mm -hmm. we asked them to help us create some of these scents. And so, yeah. And honestly, we didn't expect the virality of how it went, which was Missing Person, our very first fragrance. And it was really inspired by my divorce. I, Mm -hmm. I was feeling lonely. I felt sad that not that I was missing this person specifically, but I was missing kind of the warmth that somebody gives you like, and I felt like 
waking up to an empty bed. That just felt so foreign to me. Right. And so I wanted to bottle something up where it felt and smelled like really good, yummy skin. Like it's almost as if someone left their like scent on your pillowcase. Yeah. And so I told that story on TikTok and on Instagram and it did pretty well. Like I think people were intrigued by it. Yeah. But again, people never smelled these scents before. We sure. weren't at Sephora yet. And sure. so they're just purchasing it with the trust that like it was a good scent. Right. But once people started receiving the fragrance and people started reviewing it, it became therapy to people because people on TikTok, they would spray it and then they would start like crying and being like, oh my God, oh. this reminds me of so-and-so that I miss so much or my mom that just passed away or my brother who just like left for college. And that's amazing. Cause I actually, I'm so glad that you just explained that because I was wondering what missing person meant, honestly. And I, and that is so incredible because that has such an incredibly profound meaning, I think for so many people. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because everyone misses someone, something or someone at some point in their yes. life. And, yeah. you know, for me, fragrance is all about it's so personal personal. and we all go through our own journeys but we all universally share the same emotions which is sadness excitement wanting to feel attractive sexy Mm -hmm. like all of that and so I think with each scent and each fragrance my my kind of goal is to tell a story in my life Mm -hmm. uh, of something that I went through and so somebody would is it, it's about somebody uh, will love you. Somebody will love me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't you're going to become a songwriter after this, by the way. Someone said on one of my comments, she's like, Chriselle, I feel like you just released a an album, uh, a post breakup album, but through scent. And I was like, I basically did. <laughs> you totally did. You totally did. And by the way. For what it's worth, you've like never looked hotter, by the way. Oh, like, thank you. I mean, because I do, that is one of the last things I want to talk to you about because I think it's very important. I've never spoken to somebody about this on the podcast, but I think it's something to really address because here you are, single mom, on top of your game after, I mean, a long time doing this, honestly, mm-hmm. not to age you because you're still painfully young. You've done quite a lot. But I do think that you still very much embrace the sexuality of being a woman, right? That's something I want to talk about because I think that people have such opinions about that, Mm -hmm. right? Like sort of like, oh, you're a mom, don't show your stomach, right? Or you're a mom, don't show cleavage. And I think people have so many opinions about that. Emily Ratajkowski has been very open about sort of embracing her body and, and sort of her sensuality as a woman and really like it being our bodies, right? And we yeah. can do what we want with it. And I think it's very important to talk about that because I think there's so much judgment passed yeah. on women of a certain age or that are mothers or that are divorced or that are on social media. I do want to really address your thoughts on that in general because I think it's important to speak about being this very classy, very elegant woman and mother and entrepreneur, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I love this topic because it's something that I'm newer to as well. And I never knew that I had this kind of like, uh, femininity, sexuality in me that always existed, but I just Mm -hmm. really was, um, kind of like pushing it down. I think to make people around me, especially, partners and people around me to make them feel comfortable. So they don't think that I'm doing anything appropriate outside. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many things that we as women are conditioned to, to feel a certain way. Like, Oh, if you're dressing sexy, that means that you're a slut. If you're wearing a mini skirt, that means that you're looking for like a man, you know? And, and so what I realized was that these are all things that society and actually a lot of men have conditioned us women to think. And so again, me being in my late thirties, I finally realized that is all BS. And I really feel good in my skin right now. I feel really confident. I feel really good with my body. The minute that I started dressing a little bit more 
quote unquote sexier, which is yeah. like shorter skirts or like yeah. showing my abs. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that were like, oh, now that she's single, she's right. like trying to look for a man. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's dressing like that. I'm like, absolutely not. Doesn't like, make I'm you so mad. So mad. <laughs> so, so mad. I'm because like, it's like, why can't you say I feel confident in my body? Like, yeah. I'm taking care of my body. I feel really good in it. And I'm really proud to show my body. Like, why do you have to cover it all the time? You know? Yeah, exactly. And so people, you know, start talking about like how I was dressing for like the male gaze now instead of women. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's for me because I feel the best I've ever felt. Mm -hmm. And it just shows you that I think there's a lot of stigma around how women should dress after they have kids or after they're divorced or if they're single and whatnot. And I I just really want to change that narrative. And my daughter yesterday, my four-year-old, she has like this black leather mini skirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and my of mom she does. Yes, of course she does. <laughs> and these like boots, these like combat boots. And so <laughs> that's she, your daughter. My daughter. So she paired it together. And I was like, oh, that's such a chic outfit. So I wore a similar outfit. I like styled it um, because I was inspired by her look. And someone left a comment be like, your daughter shouldn't be dressing like that. And I was like, She's Shut up. four. Let and, her do what she wants. Yeah. And I understand you because I've been there before. Like yeah. I was one stop person. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to get mad at that. But sure. it's really interesting to see how people have these ideas of how women should dress, especially after becoming a mother. But I mean, I always say style is the best form of self-expression. And I think as young women, especially at four, five, six, through their teen years. That's how they express themselves. And if you squash that. Not good. So I, you know, I kind of allow my girls to wear what they want to wear. And because at the end of the day, you know, it is a form of self-expression. Um, of course, I'm not going to let them walk out naked. Of um, course. Of yeah. Course. Within, yeah. Within reason. Within limits and reason. But with that said, I think this kind of newfound crystal after post-divorce is that I have accepted that I can feel sexy and it's okay to want to dress a certain way and really kind of like finesse like my feminine power. Like I've yeah. never had yeah. the opportunity Embrace it. Yeah, to do that because I was so busy just like building my businesses, being a wife, being a mom. And I forgot who I was along the way. And this is so common for yeah. majority of women, yeah. especially working All women. That once you have that space, you're like, oh, like I am feminine. This is what I like. Like this, this makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I had that room and space to kind of like play around with it, like I've been, this is like the most confident I've ever been. Um, and How much do I love that? Yeah. How much yeah. do I love that? And to our listeners, listen, because that means a lot. She's a mom. She's crushing her career more than 15 years later. And she's never felt more confident and more beautiful. She didn't say that, but I'm going to say it for her. Um, (laughs) Thank you. But I also, I want to close this because I could obviously talk to you for days and weeks and months, but what would you tell your quiet, timid, painfully shy little self? Mm. Because there are a lot of timid, painfully shy little girls out there. Yeah. So, you know, and I do hear that a lot and um, I definitely was not shy. Not no one in my family is shy. <laughs> my kids are whatever the opposite of shy is. But when I meet shy people, I work harder because I'm so determined to to pull them out, you know? Yeah. So I, what I want to know is like, as you sit here today, like what would you tell that little painfully shy girl who was scared to like say a word? I think one is that there's nothing wrong with you. I think there for a long time, because some people around me thought there was something wrong with me. I just started to think that there was something wrong with me too. But I want to put it out there that people that are very much introverted um, and that are painfully shy and timid, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, being out there and public speaking and being in front of the camera, all of that is a skill. Like for me, naturally, I am still an introverted person. Like I personally love to be alone. If I had to choose being with people or being by myself, I would choose by myself. Yeah. And so it's not that all of a sudden I've changed personalities. I'm still the same person, but it's a skill. So the more you put yourself out there and yes, it's going to be painful at first and it'll continue to be painful 
for a very long time. But as long as you know that and you're okay with that and you continue to push and you put yourself out there, it'll get a, a little easier as you go. And so that's probably my biggest advice is... And don't be scared of who you are. Yeah. It, yeah, don't be it's scared okay. of who you are. And actually, as I mentioned earlier on this podcast, it could be a secret weapon. I think yeah. a lot of people, because they thought I was just like so quiet and aloof and kind of like out there, they thought I didn't really know what was going on. I knew exactly what everybody <laughs> around me was doing. And it actually worked to my benefit because I was such an observer. Mm -hmm. And so when I did something, I was able to do it something 10 times as fast than most people because yeah. I was so observant. And so, yeah, don't be ashamed of who you are, as you yeah. said, and really put yourself out there. It's a skill that you have to develop. The first few times is the most painful, but it'll only get easier. And surround yourself with people that really can support and help you along the way. I think with digital media and social media more than ever, people are able to connect with people that they never thought that they could connect, you know? And so just having people around you that you could look for advice um, that could support you. I mean, God, like Rachel, I was your biggest fan, like when I was in high school, right? Like the fact that we're friends now, like the high school girl in me would have never thought that was possible. And so it just shows you that, the world, the industry is really, really small and that there's so many opportunities out there. And you're the best. Oh, thank you. And, and hard work. Hard work. Hard work will get you there. Yeah. Hard work will get you there. You know, Roger always says, I just kind of outworked everyone and it wasn't a competition. I just think if you work your ass off, you'll get where you want to go. Yeah. Because at some <laughs> point, most people will give up and, you know, I think a lot of people, they think, oh, I failed or it didn't go according to plan and they kind of stop there, that's yeah. actually, for me, the sign to work even harder and try harder. And so yeah. I think that's a common thread. And most successful people is that they don't give up after like something not working out. You, mm -hmm. you actually go harder after that. So yeah. 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 Oh, I love you so much. Love you too. I'm Thank so you for happy. I'm happy me. you're home. <laughs> um, thank you for doing this. Go enjoy your beautiful babies. Bye. Bye, honey. It's that time in the show when I answer two listener questions. So let's see what we have today. First question. You've talked about cooking and baking in the past on the pod and on Instagram. Do you make Thanksgiving dinner for your family? And if so, what is your favorite dish? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I'm very selective about what I cook and bake because just as the perfectionist Virgo I am, I don't really make anything that I'm not sure is going to be a hit um, or I haven't tried before. I'm not someone that experiments with making someone new on a major holiday because if it crashes and burns, then you know what happens. So the answer is I make certain desserts like pies and brownies and cookies and banana breads and things like that. I'm really confident in baking. And then for cooking, I'm really good at side dishes. I've made a turkey twice in my life and I really am not trying to do it again. So our friends that are coming over, they are doing the turkey and I'm doing a lot of the sides like the sweet potatoes and mashed potatoes and all kinds of really fun things. And full disclosure, for a time crunch and the best food, I very often get it from a place called Jones on 3rd here in LA that I've been getting food from for dinner parties and holidays for the last 15 years. Okay, next question. Your boys are always so well-dressed. Do they fight you about dressing up and what do you put them in for the holidays? The answer is... My boys, Skylar is at an age now where he's 11, soon to be 12. So he definitely has an opinion. But I think there was this big turning point over the last year where he listened to what I was suggesting and he walked out the door and everyone kept telling him how handsome he looked. And, you know, even his friends in school were like, you look cool, you look this. So I think he kind of looked at me like, hey, mom, you might know what you're doing here. Caius really doesn't care what I put him in as long as it's comfortable. And if it's not comfortable, he won't even let it go past his shoulders. Tags are a big thing around here. So for any clothing designers for kids, I would say that 
I strongly suggest getting, um, making things with very soft or invisible tags because kids just want to rip them right out. Okay. Don't forget to submit your questions for next week's episode. All you have to do is DM us your questions to at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram, and I might just answer your question. That's at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram. Okay, well, that was really fun. I really loved learning about Chriselle being this like, painfully shy child and you know being a little afraid I think to express who she really was and then sort of becoming this massive digital influencer I think if you don't follow her you should because I think you really see how much work goes into what these really big digital influencers and creators actually do and I don't want to really sugarcoat that because I watch it behind the scenes and I think people are like, oh, it's so glamorous. They just take pictures of themselves. And the ones that are, you know, in that sort of world like Chriselle, I think it's really important to understand how hard it is and how much work it is and how how it's a full-time job to just stay on top of it and stay at the top of your game. I hope you enjoy listening to her journey because it's a really interesting one. And I think the evolution of who she is and now is a single working mother and how she perceives herself and how confident she is now. And I think it's a real learning lesson for a lot of women. Um, I took a lot away from this one. So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening to Climbing in Heels. And please don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcast because I love to read them. And while you're at it, follow me on at Rachel Zoe and at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram for more updates on upcoming guests, episodes, and all things Curator. I'll talk to you next week. Mwah. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.